0: Great to have you guys here. Thank you for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also take a moment to give it up for our God Behind Bars, guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Well, as you can tell at most of our campuses, you're starting to see Preview Week. We are getting ready for At The Movies starting next week. How many you guys are ready for At The Movies here at Church Unlimited? It's exciting. More on that in a moment, but I'm, I'm excited about today's message. And so Fletcher your notes if you would. Today is all about bringing people to Christ. That today is all about. Today's message is called You Can Make a Difference. There was a guy, he ended up in heaven and he was uh, standing before the pearly gates. And Peter said to him at the pearly gates, he said, well, I want to know, you know, have you done anything good in your life? Because today that's how you're going to get into heaven. You have to have done something good. Can you tell me about some time? He goes, well, yeah, I remember one time, uh, I, was, uh, I was walking through a parking lot and I saw this young lady and there was a group of biker gang members that kind of gathered around her and they were giving her a, a lot of problems and they were kind of picking on her and it just bothered me and I, I walked right in the middle of them boldly and I said, you guys need to stop right now. Peter was like, really? What would you do next? He goes, well, they wouldn't stop. So I picked out the biggest one, thought he was probably the ringleader and I walked up to him, slapped him across the face, kicked his bike over and said, you mess with her, you're messing with me. He was like, that is amazing. How long ago did this happen? He said, about two minutes ago. So today I want to talk about how we get to heaven, but, but about how we can impact other people coming to heaven. But actually we don't get to heaven by doing good deeds. As, as good as it is to do good deeds, we get to heaven because of what Jesus did for us and just receiving Him is how we get in, it. it's through Christ. And so that's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited is we're going to help you find Christ. And then once you find Christ, we want to challenge you to then join us in our mission statement, which is what? to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. There's a reason why God did not zap us up to heaven the moment we accepted Christ because we still have work to do here on this earth. And so today's message is all about that. It's called You Can Make a Difference. Fletcher notes today. I wanna start in Luke chapter five. There's a story here that's really cool. It's a story about a guy who, was a paralytic. He could not walk. And about how a couple of his friends got him to Jesus. They basically carried him to Jesus so that he could be healed, so that Jesus could change his life. And so let's unpack that today. Pull out your notes again. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I'm just going to dive right in. You guys ready? All right, let's stop right in. Here we go. It says one day while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees. I'm uh, t- well, oh, sorry, let me say this again. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So Jesus is about to do some teaching here. He's actually doing some teaching and God's power was with him. But you knew who was also there? A bunch of Pharisees. And so I find it interesting that anytime you are trying to do something new for Jesus, critics show up. So always remember that. You're always going to have people that criticize what you do. If they criticize Jesus, they will certainly criticize you and me. So don't worry about that. But I think it's interesting. It says the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So I looked it up. I was like, what does the Lord's healing power mean? The word here is dynamis. That's the Greek word dynamis. Say that with me. Say "Dynamis." dynamis. Dynamis means spiritual ability. And so wherever Jesus' teaching was going on, there was a power that was there. There was a spiritual ability for lives to be changed. And I believe that happens every single week here at Church Unlimited. Whatever campus you go, there's a spiritual ability. God shows up in such a way that there is an opportunity for lives to be changed. What that means for you and me today, would you write this down, number one, is that God's power is available to change your friend's life. Many of us have friends that don't know Jesus. But God's power is always available to change your life at your church, the question is, are you bringing them to that power? And so God can change their life anytime you'd like to show up with them. The question is, are we doing that? Are we bringing them to where Jesus can change their life? And so when Jesus is being taught, that has the power to change their life. So the real issue is not whether their life can be changed. The real issue is, well, we do our part to bring them so their life can be changed. Or This is how uh, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter nine. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In other words, there are more people willing to accept Christ than you and I are willing to witness to. There are more people willing to come to church with you than you're willing to invite. So the real issue is not when people say, there's just no one believes in Jesus anymore. Well, the issue is that people, not that people don't believe in Jesus, it's just that there's no one going out to tell them about Jesus. So it's really on us. We have to do our part to tell them about Christ so that they can become Christ's followers. So are we willing to do our part and to reach out and bring others to hear about Christ? So look what happens next here. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So anywhere Jesus went, there were crowds of people that would gather. Okay? And so once again, there's this massive throng of people around Jesus hearing him teach He would heal people, that kind of thing. These guys were carrying a guy with them on a mat that was paralyzed. So if you're paralyzed, you can't carry your own weight. So that means these guys had to carry him. Now, can you imagine how exhausting it would be to take someone who was paralyzed from your car where you parked in the parking lot all the way into church to hear about Jesus? Imagine that. Yeah, that's not what they did. They carried them from their neighborhood all the way to church. They carried them from from down the street all the way to where Jesus was. In other words, it wasn't just a short little trip where they threw him on the back of their truck and then brought him No, no, there was no cars, there was no trucks. They carried him all the way to Jesus. This would be exhausting. This would be time-consuming. I'm sure they had to coordinate their efforts since there was a, a guy, and we know that this is a fully grown man. I'm sure he was at least a buck 50, right? So you look, look, t- think about at least 150 pounds worth of a guy who cannot carry his own weight. So you're having to carry him on this mat. So I'm sure they had three or four guys minimum, probably more, carrying him all the way to Jesus. But when they got there, they couldn't get near him because there was such a crowd. Now, the crowd, this is not a bad crowd. This is a good crowd. They're gathered around. Jesus wanted to hear him teach. So that's a good thing, right? So there's nothing wrong with the crowd, but I think it's interesting that the crowd is the very thing that was standing in the way of them taking the man to Jesus. And I wonder today how many people are willing to get before Jesus if it wasn't for the crowd in their way. I wonder if honestly what that would mean for you and I today if there's people that would be willing to accept Christ. They just know too many Christians. So why would I want to, to know Jesus when the representative that claims him is a jerk? Why would I want to get to Jesus when, when the people that get in the way of me wanting to trust in Christ are, are people that claim to know him that, that, that aren't honoring him? And so I wonder sometimes the very thing that keeps you from knowing Jesus is someone who claims to follow him that is not really a good person, that, that's been a jerk to you, that's treated you wrong, that, that's done you wrong. And so oftentimes it's the crowd that are gathered around Jesus that actually get in the way oftentimes. I just think that's interesting. And so they, they, they want to take him to Jesus. And so I think it's interesting that, that they had to create a plan to do this. They had to carry this guy. First of all, they had, to, they had to get the guy's permission, right? Like, hey, man, we really want to take you to Jesus. You know, he can heal people. He's pretty amazing. Are you, are you, are you down with that? Will you you And He's like, yeah, sure. Okay, great. Now, they didn't say, hey, so meet us there, and we'll introduce you to Jesus. He's like, yeah, I can't really do that. I can't walk, okay? So I can't meet you there. Like, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to come pick you up. Literally, physically, we're going to pick you up. We're going to carry you to Jesus. Will you let us do that? Yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm going to get me a bunch of buddies because it's going to be a little walk. And so we got to have the energy and the strength to do it. We'll gather up together, meet you at this time, and we'll take you to Jesus. There was some coordinating going on. In the same way, in the last few weeks, there's been some coordinating going on at our church. We're preparing to carry a lot of people to Jesus this next week. We're preparing to introduce people to Christ. You know, in case you noticed on the way in, I hope, I hope you noticed on the way in, we're decorating our atriums and getting everything ready. The, the, the band, all of our different bands at different campuses are preparing special music. I mean, we've been recording videos and editing those videos, getting ready for At The Movies. It's like a very big thing that we do. And if you've not been here for an At The Movies, we do this every year. We take popular movies from today and we edit them and then I teach through the movie. It's a very powerful thing to do. You don't want to miss out. Normally don't announce movies. We want them to be a surprise, but I will tell you this next week that the first movie has Bradley Cooper in it. You don't want to miss at the movies, it's going to be really, really powerful. So invite your friends, invite your family member, bring them to church with you. You may say, well, I'm not really into that. I don't really like the the way you're doing that. I think that's worldly, right? I understand people say that, you know, oh, it's just so worldly. Well, it is taking something that the world offers and using it to draw people to Christ. And so guilty, I'm guilty of that all day long. So for those of you who say, I don't agree with your plan for evangelism. Awesome, what's your plan? Oh, you don't have one? I'll go with mine. This may not be the most perfect plan ever, but we believe it works. It's a great strategy for us to invite people into church that normally would not come to church. It's a unique way of doing church. And so we want to challenge you to bring someone back with you, encourage you to, to do that. Guys, there's, just, there's no glory in heaven with empty churches. And so we believe God wants to pack out his house. And uh, you say, well, I thought this word could pack out his house. It does. We're, we're, we're not a church that's lacking in attendance, but we believe God's calls to reach more people. And so we will do anything short of sin to do that. And so I want to challenge you to bring someone back to church with you this week. You know, it's so funny. We know what evangelism is because we've, we've all heard of product evangelism, right? If you study business, you go to school for a business to get a business degree or take a business class, they're going to tell you about product evangelism. And so the business world uses a term that's actually from the Bible, which is where they, they evangelize their product. You're already doing it. You're telling all your friends, dude, you got to watch the new Stranger Things. That's product evangelism. You just told someone about something you like. If you go to a new burger place, you like the burger, you tell a friend, oh man, you got to check it out. It's really, really good. Make sure you order this or that. You're doing product evangelism. Every woman in this place knows how to do product evangelism because when you find that sale at your favorite store, you're like, girl, you better get down here. I'm telling you right now. That's product evangelism. That's what you're doing. So we already know how to tell other people about something we love. Why don't you tell other people about the one you love? So I want to encourage you to invite someone, bring them to church with you this week. So number two, create. we got to create a plan to bring your friend to Jesus. So here's what I want to challenge you to this week. I want to challenge you to invite them, but then just don't invite them to meet you at church. Because it can be a big church, depending on what campus you're at. It can be a little intimidating walking to a place that they don't know. So rather than do that, why don't you say, hey, I'll pick you up. Go by, pick them up in your car. Bring them to church. We have a bus ministry. just started this week. It's your car. Fill up your car, <laughs> all right, with people and bring them to church i want to encourage you to do that let's pack this place out so they can hear about christ and so it's gonna be awesome and, and, and by the way pick them up and don't be cheap say hey come to church with me and i'm gonna take you to lunch afterwards okay and don't be cheap don't be taking the water burger or burger king i mean really really that's what you're gonna take. you know i mean you know step it up like taco bell you know what i'm saying like <laughs> like we're gonna go grande on the meal all right full blown all right so but eat afterwards don't go grande then come to church that could lead to all kinds of problems you know what i'm saying so anyways, bring them to church so and take them to lunch afterwards and make it, make it a big thing. And so create a plan to bring your friend to Jesus. Now look what happens next, verse 19. So they went up to the roof. So they couldn't get to Jesus, right? Because the crowd was in the way. They went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Do you know how much work this must have been? First of all, I wonder who was the owner of the house. I, mean, I wonder if they looked up and were like, hey, that's my roof, right? <laughs> You're ripping a hole in my roof, Right. And so they ripped a hole in the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. No translation says they cut a hole. And then they lowered him down. Can you imagine they tied ropes, I'm sure, to to him and tied other ropes to the mat. And they're like lowering him down. You know, I'm sure it took a, there's a lot of weight, right? So they're probably having to tension it and lower him down slowly and try to get him right in front of Jesus. They don't want to drop him, right? They'll hurt him. They certainly don't want to be the guys who crush Jesus. That's not good, right? Like, great, I just hurt Jesus, you know? And so they're lowering him down to get him in front of Jesus. And so when they do that, they're doing whatever they have to do to get him there. Isn't that amazing how creative they were? Isn't it funny how creative we are when we want something? I mean, we're like, well, I can't afford the TV, but I understand they have one of those Best Buy credit cards, you know, and I'll fill that out, or I'll put it on layaway, right, when we want that car, well, okay, I'll trade my car, and I'll add this much cash to it, and then do this, and how many months can I extend it? We get so creative to get something we want. But if you say, hey, you want to come to church with me? Oh, man, it's kind of a busy week. Oh, okay. Wow, you give up fast. There was no, oh man, seriously, you gotta come. Well, you know, I got something going on Sunday afternoon. How about Saturday night? Oh, you got Saturday night? Yeah. Oh, I got something going on Saturday. How about Sunday night? Oh man, how many services do you guys have? We got them all the time. <laughs> Just come, right? And so the point is, is like, we get so creative to get something we want, but why don't we get creative to give something we want someone else to have? Let's get creative and bring in bringing our friends to Jesus. And so they literally cut a hole in the roof. What that tells me is that they made room for this guy to get in front of Jesus. Would you write this down? Number three, I want to challenge you to make room for evangelism in your life. Cut a hole in your schedule. Tear a hole in the roof, right? Cut a hole in your schedule. Say, I'm going to take a few moments today to text a friend, to invite someone. I'm going to take a few moments, take this popcorn bag with me to, church, to, to work next week. I'm going to walk across the hallway, kind of find a strategic moment, some downtime, walk across the hallway to my friend's office and say, hey, I want to give you this. I want to really encourage you to come. I want you to check out my church. I think you're going to like it. And just invite them to come with you and to, and, and to bring them to church. Let's, let's make room. And if you can't make room and you're scheduled to invite someone to church, I'm gonna ask God to cut a hole in your heart so you'll begin to bleed for his lost children. Isn't it funny how we forget what it was like when we didn't know Jesus? We forget what it was like to lay in our bed hurting and have no one to pray to. That's people that don't know Jesus. Jesus. And so we got to remember that. Some of you are like, yeah, that's great, Pastor. I'm not really into evangelism. I'm more of a discipleship person. I'm really into growing deep in the Lord. Really? Okay, that's awesome. So if you want to get to know me, if you were to come to me and say, I just want to get to know you, and I had lost one of my children. Let's say my daughter had been missing for six months. You say, I just want to get to know you. I'd be like, well, honestly, my life is just all about trying to find Sophie. I mean, we just don't know where she is. We haven't heard a word. We, we just, this is her last whereabouts, and we've got the police involved. And we're trying to figure, right? That's all I'll be about. Can you imagine, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not really into that, but just tell me about yourself. Like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite movie? I'd be like, what do you, what? This isn't, this is insulting to me. I told you one of my children's missing. That's all I'm about. When you say, I want to just know the Lord and walk with him and worship him, I'm not really into evangelism. You want to know the father's heart? He wants to know where his lost kids are. That's the father's heart. And it is insulting to any good father to say, let's just set that aside and let's just get to know each other. Are you crazy? I'm about my lost children. That's our heavenly father. Well, pastor, you know, I'm not really into that, right? Come on, isn't it? Well, you know, uh, we're not really into that. We're, we're into quality and not quantity. We don't really care whether the church keeps growing or not. We don't need, we don't need all these people. We just want to be quality, really. So let's say my wife and I go to Disney World, and we're there with our three kids when they were little, and all of a sudden we look up, and we don't know where they are. So we find one of the kids, right? Then we find the second kid. We have three kids. We find the second kid. We're not going to say, you know what? Let's just focus on quality and not quantity. We found two of them. We're fine. <laughs> When you say, I want to, uh, our church, our ministry, we're just going to focus on quality, not quantity. Let me ask you something. Which one of God's children is not quality? Which one is He not concerned for? Isn't it amazing how we make up these nice little Christian cliches to excuse our lack of evangelism? The truth is, is that the very heart of God is to reach His lost children. That's His heart. If you want to know the Father's heart, he is bleeding for his children to be found, just like you would. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. We actually believe there is a hell because the Bible says that. And I don't want anyone to go there. And we will do anything and everything short of sin to help reach someone for Christ. That's what we're all about here. Will you join me in that effort? Will you be about that? So if you're keeping up with me, number two is to create a plan to bring your friends to Jesus. Number three, make room for evangelism in your life. Luke 14, 23 tells us how. It's not complicated. It's actually really simple. He says, "Then the master told the servant, go to the roads and the paths and urge the people to come to my house. I want it to be full. God wants a full house. So he says, hey, go out into the roads and the paths. Go wherever you're going to go. Go when you go out to eat, when you go work out, when you go walk your neighborhood, whatever it is you do, when you go to Little League, whatever you go, urge people, compel them, another translation says, invite them, bring them back to my house. We gave you a ticket on the way in. You guys pull out your tickets, would you do that real quick? I want to challenge you right now to ask God to put the name of someone on your heart. I've already asked God to cut a hole in your heart. So let's ask God right now. Let's just pray. Can we do that right now across all of our campuses? God, I pray, Lord, you'd put upon our hearts, just cut a hole in our heart, Lord, and just put someone in there. Just put someone on our hearts that's on your heart and help us, Lord, to bring them to church with us this next week. What an opportunity Without The Movies. What a great series. I pray, Lord, that you would help us be bold and invite them and bring them to church with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Quickly, quickly, with a pen in your hand, would you write down their name on that little ticket? Out into the atrium with all of our campuses, there's a giant board. It's basically a graphic of the auditorium you're sitting in now. I want to challenge you to take this little ticket and attach it to that board in prayer after service and say, "God, I'm going to bring that person. This is my commitment to you, that I'm going to make sure that I bring them to church with me. I want to challenge you to do that. We've also given you this tool, this invite as well to do that. I want to challenge you to bring them to church with you." And back in 1985, a number of years ago, there was a municipal pool party in New Orleans. It was all the lifeguards from all the city pools. They gathered to celebrate because they had had a summer free of any accidents, and they had no drownings all summer long. That's definitely something to celebrate. They had lots of of pools all across New Orleans. They gathered all the lifeguards together for one end-of-summer pool party to celebrate, you know, a safe summer. There were over 100 lifeguards there. There were over 200 people there. And somewhere in the middle of that pool party, a little boy got in the pool and drowned. It's a true story. So here's a little boy at the bottom of the pool fighting for his life, and he died. And there were 100 lifeguards at the pool he died at. Guys, I want to tell you something right now. I know it's easy to look around and think, well, it's a big church, lots of campuses, but I'm not busy celebrating our wins when there's still people drowning. We still have more to do. We still have more people to reach. We're simply not done. I don't count how many we have here. I want to count who we don't have yet, who's not been reached. It's about people that are still out in that water drowning. We want to make sure that they know the Lord. we got to do our job. we got to do our part. Last scripture, last part of Luke chapter five says this. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. So these guys, they cut a hole in the roof. They lower this guy down. They're like trying to be careful, make sure they get him safely down there. They lower him in front of Jesus. As soon as Jesus is teaching, he sees this guy coming down. He sees him sit down in front of him, right? The the mat lowers down in front of him. Jesus looks at him and says, "Because of your faith, your sins are forgiven." No, that's not what he said, is it? That's not what he said. Look closely. Jesus actually pointed up and said, "Because of your guy's faith, your sins are forgiven." Wow. Some of you are like, "Well, I mean, I want my friend to come me to church, but my family member, my, my boss, my coworker, my my son or daughter, my cousin, my spouse, I want them to come, but they just don't believe in Jesus." Well, then then don't credit it to their faith, credit it to your faith. See, let's use your faith to apply it to their life. So you use your faith that if I can just get them in front of Jesus, then Jesus can do his work. So they may not have faith, but do you have faith? You say you have faith that Jesus can change them, so then use your faith to get them faithless in front of Jesus so then Jesus can give them faith. Because of your faith, they get saved. Look at what it says. How many of you guys believe that God can use you to change someone's life? How many of you guys really believe that? You think, I know that God could use me to change someone's life. Just lift your hand high if you believe that. Yeah, there's, there's hands going up all across our campuses, right? And almost every hand's going up. And so because we believe God can use us, right? But look at this. It says in scripture, it says, by f- faith by itself that does nothing is dead. So just because you have faith doesn't mean it's active yet until you do something with your faith. And so you can have the faith to believe that God could use you to save them. But why don't you activate your faith and do something about it? Look at what it says in Hebrews 11, verse one, last scripture of the day. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's faith that the person we, that we have not seen except Christ yet will, right? That's what faith is. So let me read it again. Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. How many of you guys have heard that scripture before? Okay, many people call this verse the definition of faith verse, right? But did you notice the verse, the word before faith? Let me read it a little differently that maybe you've not caught before. Let me read the actual translation of how this is supposed to be read and applied. This is what it really says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Not faith, now faith. See, we think it's like now faith is. No, it's now faith is. So if you tie those words together, maybe you just want to underline that or write now faith. Put those words together. So faith that's applied tomorrow is actually not faith at all. That's procrastination. Now faith is faith. If you really believe that God can use you to save someone, to reach someone, then that's a now faith. So God wants you to do this. Last thing, you write down. Would you write this down? Do something now, not tomorrow. Don't put it off any longer. Now faith. Do we have a now faith or a tomorrow faith? The tomorrow faith is no faith at all. That's just procrastination. My now faith says, God, use me today. Use me right now to reach out to bring someone to Christ. Help me to bring them in so they can hear about how much Christ loves them and change their life. There was a a lawyer in St. Louis, true story, decades ago, over 50 years ago. There was a lawyer that um, was very good at what he did. He's, he was known for being very good. And just one of these guys who knew the law, knew how to write up contracts well. Just an excellent lawyer. Well, there was a business guy in town that used him often for contracts and different things he was doing. And he had him come by the office to finish up some, and tidy up a contract they were working on. And, and as they were doing that, this business guy happened to be a Christian. And so he had his Bible sitting out in front of him, you know, and, and he just spent time in the Word. And he knew his buddy was coming by. And, as he closed his Bible, he, he, he thought of his buddy that was come by his lawyer friend that, that, as far as he knew, was not a Christian. And so he just thought about him for a second, and he really felt the Lord telling him to bring it up. And he was like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's going to be weird. I mean, I don't want to be like some kind of fanatic weirdo to this guy. You know, just kind of didn't want to do it. You know, he kind of gave the same excuses that we give, right? Like, I don't know if I should really say anything. Maybe this isn't a good time, Right. And so isn't that funny how we kind of excuse ourselves out of, you know, somehow we think God suggests us to evangelize when the Bible says no, he commands it, you know? And so somehow we think we can just turn down God with no repercussions in their life or ours. It's crazy. So he knew God was speaking to him to bring something up, but he didn't know how to do it. So they're working on the contract. They're signing, he's signing the last documents. As he's doing that, Laurie's about to leave, and he just kind of looks down, and he's like, oh, he just knows God's telling him, say something. Ask him, speak up. So finally, he doesn't really know what to say. It just seems awkward, but he just, he just knows he's got to do it. It's about obedience now. And I pray, by the way, what I'm telling you now will come to your mind this week that God will bring you to a point, a point of either you're going to obey or you're not going to obey. And I believe you're going to obey. So he's at that moment, and he just said, hey, real quick, before you leave, the lawyer says, yeah, what's up? He says, hey, before you leave, um, I want to ask you one more question. He goes, yeah, is there something I'm missing in the contract? He goes, no, no, it has nothing to do with that. And he goes, oh, you have some other legal issue? And he's like, no, it's, it's really not a legal issue. Oh, well, how can I help you? He says, we've known each other a while. He goes, yeah, yeah, what's, what's up? He says, I don't know how to ask this without just coming out. He says, yeah, just, just ask me, what? He says, um, how come you've never, never become a Christian? He goes, oh, seriously, that's what you wanted to ask me? He goes, yeah. Lord says, Well, he says, You want me to be honest with you? He says, Yeah. The lawyer says, that book right there. I'm smart enough to know that, that 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 book, and he pointed to the Bible, he says, that that book right there says that drunkards can't inherit the kingdom of God. And I've been trying for years and I can't, I can't stop drinking. He says, seriously? He goes, Yeah. That's why? Yeah. He said, no, no, do, do you know what the Bible says about all of our sins? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, Well, you know Jesus died. He goes, yeah, I know Jesus hung on a cross. I know about that. Goes, no, but he died for your sin and for mine. Did you know that that same book, he pointed to it and he said, actually says, therefore now there is no condemnation in Christ. He says, what do you mean? He goes, it means that you can come to God and still have a drinking problem. Like God saves you even with that problem, the lawyer sat back and said, "No one ever told me that." He was, "Yeah, you can still become a Christian with whatever problem you still have. That's why Jesus died. He died for all of our sins, knowing we were helpless without him. The lawyer says, "You're telling me he'll take me like I am." Yes, he will." So then his friend had a new sense of boldness, realizing that the lawyer just didn't know. And He said, are, are, are you interested in becoming a Christian now? He says, yeah, absolutely. He says, well, I can pray with you right now if you want in this moment. He says, oh, oh okay. So he says, "Let me just, can I just take your hands? So they took hands for a second. And he said, I'm just going to pray for you, and I'm going to lead you, okay? And just like we do here at the end of service, he, he did that. He said, God, I thank you for my friend and I thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for all of our sins, all the things we, we can't fix. And I thank you that you're gonna save him right now. And he looked at his friend and says, okay, just, just, just say something like this. Say, dear Jesus. And Lord, you looked down. Tears began to stream down his face. And he said, dear Jesus, I know I need you. He said, Jesus, if you'll accept me, I'm a broken man and I can't quit drinking. I don't know how to stop. But my friend says here that, you'll accept me anyways that you'll save my life so jesus would you please save me come in my life and i will follow you the rest of my life in jesus name that lawyer looked up and said thank you i never knew that with tears streaming down his face that lawyer began to study the word like a lawyer can And he began to comb over line by line, understanding its meaning. And he began to make copious notes for decades. He made these notes. And today I preach to you from that lawyer's Bible. It's called the Schofield Study System. It's one of the best Bibles that theologians and preachers use to this day. And if that man had not listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit telling him to speak up, we would not have all the benefits of C.I. Schofield, the lawyer from St. Louis who gave his heart to Jesus and has impacted the kingdom for decades now with the work that he's done. You see, you don't just reach out to save someone because they need Jesus. You don't know who they are attached to and the work that they will do for the kingdom that will make a difference, that will advance the cause of Christ from one person to the next person to the next person. You have no idea the series of events that you put into motion when you just obey God and bring the one person he told you to bring it's your job you got one job to take as many people to heaven as you can before you die period I don't know how long I've got but I did not move my family down here to Corpus Christi just so I can play church I moved down here with a vision and a calling from God and I'm not going to back off of that 20 years in we're still called to reach this city for Christ and all the other communities we're not backing off of that so would you pray with me now with your head bowed and your eyes closed this is what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now. by praying a very simple prayer. You can pray this prayer with me out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I'm a broken person and I need you. I ask you to come into my life, be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray that prayer, Christ has come in your life. But today, maybe you're already a Christ follower. And maybe your eye's a little off the ball. has been a while since you brought someone. It's been a while since you brought it up to someone who's a non-Christian. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you feel the conviction of God on you saying, it's time, it's time to do something now. Would you join me in committing spiritually to bring someone next week to church? It's real simple. It's not complicated at all. Would you join me in that? Just raise your hand high to God and say, God, I'm going to do that. There should be hands going up all across all of our auditoriums. I see them now. Thank you. As God speaks to you, would you simply commit to inviting someone, to bringing someone with you to church next week? Maybe it's someone who's already a Christ follower and they haven't been in church in a while because they've been hurt by the church. Maybe it's time to say to them, hey, it's time to come back. It's time to get past that. Don't let one person who hurts you stop you from being in God's presence and being in God's family. Maybe it's time to invite someone back. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in your house. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in your church. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be obedient to your call to reach out, to invite, to bring someone back to church next week. And I pray Lord, that through this At The movie series, God, that you would use us greatly. Lord, it's amazing what three or four guys can do popping a hole in the roof, lowering someone down in front of Jesus. But Lord, what could have happened if that whole crowd around Jesus would have all went back and reached out and brought someone back with them? Wow. I pray, God, that that would happen this week with your church. I pray you do something special. Well, we want to be your missionaries. We want to be your voice box. We want to be ambassadors for Christ today, reaching out, making a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.